Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Hello, this is your host, Greg Myers, and you are listening to the Leaders in Payments podcast. This is episode 12, featuring my special guest, Brad Wiskirchen, the CEO of Count. Brad talks about in detail the Identity Trust Global Network program that Count recently launched. He provides some great information about Count and what they are doing to help their employees and customers during this global crisis. Brad also talks about his love for the team at Count and his passion for his family. He also gives some great advice to those who are just starting out in the payments industry. So let's get started. Hi, Brad. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Great. If you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you're from, where you went to school, where you currently live, maybe a few things like that. I was actually born in Boise, Idaho, but raised all over the country. I lived in Utah, Arizona, Missouri, Illinois, kind of everywhere, and spent a couple years in Switzerland and spent some time in London while I was in school. I went to undergrad at Brigham Young University and law school at the University of Notre Dame because I wanted to be religiously ambiguous. And I now live in Boise, Idaho, back to where I was born. Great. So let's jump in and discuss Count. So tell us what Count does. Count's the leading fraud control company in the world. We provide fraud prevention services for some of the largest brands of merchants, payment processors, acquiring banks, payment gateways across the globe, really on every continent. We provide services for financial transactions, payments fraud, for account creation fraud, account takeover fraud, the entire spectrum of fraud needs that fraud control needs that a company may may need. In fact, we provide the fraud control for some of the companies whose CEOs have already been on your program, like BlueSnap. I know Ralph Dengelmeyer was on your program previously. So we yes. provide it for folks like him, Barclays, Chase Payment Tech, Moneris, companies all over the world. Okay. And all of it's related to e-commerce, I assume. Anything card not present, not necessarily e-commerce. So anything that is card not present, we can do. We actually have some clients who use us for card present transactions, but not a lot because as the card brand rules go, they're not liable for those transactions. And they also use us for account creation, for insurance companies use us for new applications, et cetera. Okay. How big is the company? We are right at about 170 people. We've, we're very fortunate. We've created a company that's easily scalable. And so we don't have to add a lot of bodies in order to scale the company. But we also see we have over 6,500 customers globally. We have about 32 billion annual interactions over 75 plus industries. And we are the fraud control solution for over 50 payment processors around the world, some of which I just noted. And we see transactions in over 250 countries and territories on any given day. Great. So you, I did read recently that you launched something called the Identity Trust Global Network. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So Count uses adaptive artificial intelligence and we link, using that, we link billions of fraud and trust signals together in real time. And we do that for fraud prevention and for account takeover protection and really for personalized customer experiences. We're able to provide 
an appropriate amount of data to our customers at the right time in their interactions with their end consumers in order for them to not just identify if someone's a fraudster, but also to enable them to get details on the nature of their consumers in order to help them make that shopping experience or whatever the interaction is that they're having with them optimized and increase the likelihood that it's a success, however they deem or define success. Okay. And talk a little bit about account takeover. I think that's something that some people may not know the term and some may, but maybe talk about that a little bit and what you guys do there. So we have a solution called Count Control, and it provides account takeover protection, leveraging technologies that we've, proprietary technologies that we've developed. So it's an in-house solution. And what it enables a lot of our customers to do is if they have accounts that their end consumers or their end users are leveraging in order to interact with them, we provide them the protection that they need to ensure that the consumer or customer that they're dealing with is actually the person they think it is. A lot of our customers have apps or require their customers to log in whenever they interact with them. And what we enable them to do is say, okay, this is actually Brad Wiskirchen. This isn't a fraudster using a synthetic identity to mimic Brad Wiskirchen. Get into the account and then drain the account of money or points or whatever it is that the fraudster may be searching for. Okay, great. And I recently saw a Javelin report that talked about, you know, digital innovation, which depending on how things and how quickly things come back online and in the business world, you know, how much digital innovation will continue. But certainly we've seen a lot of that recently and how that new digital innovation can open up different areas of fraud. Do you have a perspective on, you know, that and what you guys do to help there? Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing a lot of that. In fact, a lot of historically brick and mortar companies have leveraged us over the course of the last year, year and a half to protect them as they make digital innovations. For example, quick service restaurants have historically not been engaged with their consumers in the digital environment. You've usually gone up and bought your burger, your pizza, or your donut at the store counter. Well, as they've all moved to a digital environment or a digital interaction with their end consumers, they've identified that there's a lot more and different types of fraud that they're having to deal with. So as a direct result of that, we're now protecting some of the biggest names in the quick service restaurant industry, the Dunkins, the Domino's, the Wendy's and Burger King's, people like that across the border into Canada, Tim Hortons. And we're enabling them to move forward and to interact more efficiently with their end consumers without the risk of fraud. We're also seeing that in industries like oil and gas, where you've historically just gone to the pump and plugged in your credit card or gone to the counter and paid for your gas. And now companies are creating apps so you can pay with your app at the pump. And they're experiencing the same sort of experience when it comes to dealing with new vectors of fraud. So they've been able to leverage us uh, in order to ensure that their consumers are able to deal with them and make use of their new digital tools, but do so securely. Great. And as you know, everyone knows the payments industry is very competitive. And I would assume even in the fraud sector of payments, it's it's quite competitive. So what differentiates you guys from your competition out there? Oh, that's a great question. We've been around over a decade and we've protected some of the biggest names and biggest brands with the highest transaction volumes and the most sophisticated transactions over that entire period. As a direct result of that, we've collected and created an enormous amount of data, which helps us to be highly efficient. We've been leveraging unsupervised machine learning since the company's inception and started leveraging supervised machine learning in addition to the unsupervised machine learning about a half decade ago. 
And we've been able to take this, all this data that we've collected and created and the supervised machine learning and supervised machine learning and create a solution which is truly artificial intelligence, meaning it's for us, we take that term very seriously and it's uh, effectively what Turing created in his test, which is we stand up our technology side by side with the best and brightest when it comes to fraud control in-house at some of our most sophisticated clients. And the machine is doing the, is coming up with the same results as the best and brightest fraud experts are. And it's impossible to tell whether it's a human or a machine making the decisions. The other things that differentiate us are just the breadth of our solutions. We're not just a point solution. We're not just an email first scene sort of uh, fraud control solution. We've got that built into our technology because we've created it ourselves. We're not just a device fingerprinting solution. We've built that technology and ourselves and uh, it's, it's part and parcel to our solution. So whereas a lot of fraud control solutions just do one thing, we have actually created a solution that incorporates all of those things into our solution and we don't have to reach out to them for data or results. So we're able to take advantage of all the solutions that we've built and all the tools that we've built that were purpose built to work with each other and provide best in class response times. So it's the sheer volume of the data that we've got to uh, educate our artificial intelligence. It's the type of machine learning and artificial intelligence that we leverage. It's the completeness of our solution that we're able to not just fight payments fraud, but we were able to fight all the fraud that a customer may experience in its digital interactions with its consumer. And it's the innovation. We are launching new products and new features at this point on a monthly basis and they're meaningful and powerful new tools. Great. And I assume a great market to be in just, I mean, unfortunately, fraud is growing, but it's a great market to be in. I know when I ask this next question about the trends in the industry, I often get an answer, you know, we really have to get better at this. And I think you guys are right in that space. So maybe talk about where you see the fraud segment of payments headed in the next, say, two to three years. You know, there. I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation in the payments industry. I think people are going to start concentrating a lot more on some big problems that merchants, who are at the end of the day everybody's end end consumer or customer, have been facing for a long time, which is optimizing the authorization rates of the transactions that they see. And I think that they're going to start aggressively going after solving for that. I think there's still some big opportunities within payments that haven't been addressed yet. Some of the neo banks and neo players have started to look at a few of them, but there's still a lot more. And I think that some of these neo banks and new players in the processing space will drive the historical juggernauts to be even more innovative. And I'm seeing that actually right now. Some of the biggest players are making some huge strides in innovation a lot more aggressively and powerfully than I'd say they were three, four, five years ago. Sure. So I think we'd be a little remiss if we didn't talk about sort of what's going on in the country and world today. So what is Count doing to really support your employees and your customers during these challenging times? Well, fortunately, we've had a pandemic plan in place for over a decade. It was one of those things that we created because it was best practices. I remember when we did, I thought we'll never use this, but fortunately we had it in place. And so when we decided to go work from home, it was a decision that I made on in the afternoon on one day and the next day, the entire company was working for home without missing a beat. And we've increased the support to our customers. We've been 
proactively reaching out to customers who have obviously been facing challenges and coming up with solutions to help them continue to fight fraud, but do so in a way that supports them in this time where they may be cash strapped or be having a difficult time. So we're hyper devoted to providing customer service, the best in class customer service to the merchants that we face and to working with them on unique solutions arm in arm and hand in hand. But I think we've doubled down on that over the course of the last month. And then as far as our team, uh, to keep them motivated, we've increased the level of communication that we, as a, an executive team, have been providing everyone on the team because people will fill vacuums of information with misinformation in my estimation. So my mantra has always been to be open, honest, and fearless with the team. And the cadence with which that I'm disclosing what's going on with the business has increased rather materially, and even the volume of information that I'm sharing with the team members has increased materially over the last month. And then we're just trying to work in the environment and still have fun. So we're having Zoom cocktail parties for the various departments. Tonight, in fact, we're having a company-wide pizza party with families of everybody in the company. So nice. uh, we'll, have, we'll have Zoom on and the company's ordered pizzas for every family in the company. And we'll have Zoom on and it'll be like a company party tonight uh, under the new environment. So we're doing everything we can to keep people recognizing that this too shall pass. And that honestly, we're all in it together and we'll, we'll push through the scene. Great. Thanks. I appreciate that answer. I mean, that's, uh, I appreciate you telling, you know, everyone what you guys are doing. I think it's great. I think it's a common theme, the people getting used to working from home and then, you know, what can we do to increase communication? What can we do to, to add a little bit of fun into these trying times for everybody? So all that's great. But Brad, let's pivot and talk a little bit about you. Let's talk about your journey, how you became the CEO there at Count and, and what you went through to be at that role. Well, I used to be the CEO of a large retailer of digital goods. And we, it started in 97. And those were the wild and woolly days of e-com, particularly in the digital goods space. And we, as a result of that, had been forced to create our own fraud control technology. And that's when we invented and patented device fingerprinting. We were on the first patent on device fingerprinting, which is now on my account. And I remember having dinner with Mike Duffy, the then CEO of Payment Chase Payment Tech. And he said to me, hey, I don't know, you guys are in the roughest neighborhood when it comes to e-commerce, which is digital goods, but you have the best fraud rates of any company in our portfolio. How do you do it? And so I told him what we were doing. He said, you ought to model that. And I flew home and went, sat down with my business partner and the founder of that company and said, hey, maybe we ought to bottle this. And so we were eating lunch at a sushi restaurant in Boise, Idaho. And on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper or a napkin, as Count Lore refers to it, we, in a pencil, we mapped out what it would take to create a fraud control solution. And we started that. And then ultimately I spun it off of that original internet retailer and became the full-time CEO of Count. So I've been here since Count was an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. That's great. And, you know, I spent almost 10 years at Chase Payment Tech and you and I actually met probably like maybe 2008 when Payment Tech was white labeling your solution for our customers. Yes. So, Safe Tech. I don't know. Safe Tech. Exactly. Yeah. I actually came up with the brand name Safe Tech. So, oh, you did? Oh, yes, I did. So I think that was 
what, at least 12 years ago, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, late. Yeah, I think it was. So anyway, yeah. s- small world. Um, small world. <laughs> so tell me something you're passionate about, whether it's work related or outside of work or maybe one around work and one around not work. Around work, I'm passionate about my team. And I think that's a lot of people think that's a trite cliche, but it's not. I, I love the people that I work with and I spend more time each day with them than I do my wife and two kids. Right. And so it's important to me to get to know them, get to know who their families are. And I'm a firm believer that if you treat your team with respect and if you care about them on a personal level, not just can they crank out code for you or get the uh, invoices out, that that's meaningful to them. And I know it's meaningful to me. So at work, that's what I'm most passionate about is my team and making sure that they have what they need to succeed. And I, I'm a firm believer that if you if you do that, if you take care of people, then they will take care of the business and take care of you at the end of the day. So maybe I'm a little Pollyannish about it, but I do believe that. And personally, I'm passionate about my family, my kids, nothing better than helping my son with his scouts or my daughter with her art and school projects. And I just find no greater satisfaction in life than hanging out with my 13 and 15 year old. Great. Thanks for that answer. As you know, like I said earlier, payment space is is growing. Obviously, times are changing, but hopefully when we're out of this, I'll call it a mess for lack of better words, things will get better. We'll get back to where we were. And a lot of people actually wanting to have a job in the payment space, coming out of college, maybe even knowing what the payment space was. And I often hear people saying, you know, they fell into it as opposed to thinking of it as a career. And even our friend, Ralph is teaching, I think, a fintech type of class up in his area of the world in the Boston area. So what would your advice be to someone maybe coming right out of college or very early in their career if they wanted to get into this payment space? What would your advice be to them? You know, it's it's a pretty small space and it's not hard to get to know the players in the space because, you know, you think it's big, but everybody knows everybody else in payments. So my advice to them is identify the sub space that you're most interested in, get involved in it, and then work to get to know other people in the space. But I think first and foremost, I, my advice would be once you're in the door, and there's plenty of opportunities to get in the door because there's a lot happening in payments. But once you're in the door, be absolutely honest and forthright in your dealings and treat people with respect because it is a small space and everybody knows everybody else and everybody knows who the good folks are in the space and everybody knows who the buttheads are in the space. And it doesn't take long for word to spread. So I think if you're a good, honest person who will work your tail off, you can go places fast because the positive news spreads as fast as the negative news. And as a direct result of that, a lot of doors can open up just through doing your best, working hard, being the best prepared person in the room uh, with each meeting and just being unabashedly honest about everything that you do. And you'll have opportunities to do things you never dreamed of. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. Well, Brad, we're about to wrap up. Any final thoughts for the audience today? No, I think it's a pretty challenging time right now, but I think there's a lot of good things that are happening. I think people are concentrating on metrics which actually matter relating to businesses and relating to their employees and and refining and improving and enhancing and optimizing 
processes. And so I think a lot of good will come of it. And there's a lot of opportunity in payments as a direct result of this. And there's pockets of really great things. We just closed out March day before yesterday, and it was our second highest month in the history of the company. And we're seeing we've got some clients who are really struggling, but we've got some clients who are really providing enormous value to their end consumers and seeing tremendous growth. So I guess what I'm learning from this whole experience is if you provide a great solution that works for your customers and you uh, aren't afraid to do the right thing, no matter what it costs, that even through like probably one of the worst crises in world history, you can still grow a business and your customers will not only continue to go to you, but maybe go to you even more than they've historically gone. So it's not all sackcloth and ashes right now. There's pockets of, of happiness and opportunity. I agree 100%. Well, Brad, thank you for your time today. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thanks for starting this program. It's a great thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And to all you listeners out there, thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 